Good morning, Chapel Hill. Happy New Year. Hard to believe it is 2020. 2020. So where are our flying cars and our rocket packs? <laughs> right? These <laughs> are things we were supposed to have in 2020. Now all I have to look forward to is this is the year I get to start using my senior discount. <laughs> it's just not right. All right, I want to talk about us as a church this morning. So at the start of a new year and a new decade, I want to take some time to reflect on the things that I hope to see God and us do and be in our growth as a church in 2020 and the 20s. And so to begin with, let me remind us all of some amazing truths about who we are as a church The first reminder comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, where Paul writes, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God has been building something. He's been building a church, his church, his family. This church has a cornerstone, and the cornerstone, of course, is Jesus Christ, We just celebrated the arrival of the cornerstone together at Christmas. It marked the beginning of a new building phase for God. And we are involved in that building. Jesus made that clear when he spoke with Peter in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. He said, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then Peter caught the vision of what Jesus was doing And not only did he carry out that vision himself that Jesus gave to him, he called the rest of us into it as well in 1 Peter 2, verse 5, where he wrote, You yourselves, church, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the church that Jesus was building. And he's still building today. And if we take this reality to heart, we'll see that we have an active role in Jesus building his church. If we're living stones, we're being used right now, living to build Jesus' church. And we've been given plenty of insight into the vision that Jesus has for his church So this morning, let's focus on what Jesus is looking for. As the church Jesus is building, what has he shown us that he wants to see, he wants us to see in his church blueprint? What does he want his church to be known for? What does the success of a church look like to Jesus? What are the characteristics, his own characteristics, that he wants to see reflected in his church? What are the components of a church that are necessary in order to see his vision fulfilled? 
So this morning at the start of 2020, I'm going to look at 20 characteristics of a church that I believe we're to ask God to grow in us in the year, in the decade ahead. These are things that I would love to see us praying for. God can cause any and all of these characteristics to flourish in us as his church. Some of these he's already growing in remarkable ways. Today we're going to ask God to continue growing those things in us and to take areas that we may be struggling in and bring great growth and revival in those areas. Now in the Bible, a considerable amount of energy and space and words are given to instructing the church. We're told who we are, how we're to be, and in what ways to we reflect and carry out the identity of the cornerstone. We are the vessels through which Jesus works. We are the reflection of the great shepherd. We are citizens of his kingdom. We are a church that is called family, sons and daughters, friends. As his church, we've been invited by him to pray, to talk to him, to seek his power and presence in the church, to bring the church's petitions to him, to ask confident that we'll receive what we ask for, to open the door to his request to be with us, to remain in him. We've also been called to be holy, to be set apart for his purposes. So what do we do with all this? Well, I believe we seize the opportunity. We bring what we know of the vision that God has for his church and we ask him to bring that vision to fulfillment in our midst. In order for great things to happen through us, great things have to happen in us. And this time I don't mean in us individually, but in us as a church family, in us as Chapel Hill. I want us to start the year asking God to do his transforming work in us. He's given us a vision. He's given us a mission. He has established values in us that we strive to operate by. But I fear that the concept of being the church is too vague for us and too culturally influenced and too personal for us to truly grasp this. And so I want to start this morning with something that I know from life. And so I want to share a story with you about something that happened to me in my past and I'll tie it into where I'm going with this. Um, Many, many years ago, I worked for this company whose logo is up on the screen right now, and back then they were just known as Calgary Venetian Blinds. Uh, I had been working for an oil company in northern Canada, an exhausting job, and I left that job, and I was looking for another job, and and there was somebody in our church who suggested that I come and, and look for employment at the company that he worked for. And so I went and I applied, and what really appealed to me about this was not Venetian blinds. It was the reality of working a nine-to-five Monday-to-Friday job. That looked pretty good to me after working on an oil crew where we worked seven days a week, 14 to 16 hours a day. So this sounded pretty good. And so I got a job in the manufacturing warehouse for Calgary Venetian blinds. And I set about learning how to make blinds. Very exciting stuff. And I learned all of the different equipment involved. We worked with raw materials and turned them into custom-fit Venetian blinds. And so um, having, 
having developed a pretty strong work ethic on the oil crew, I was driven to, to do something, to, to keep growing in my skills. And so I continued to ask, well, what about that machine? How does that thing work? And so I took on learning all of these different machines and, and how they worked. And uh, just a couple of months after I started there and, and was learning all this stuff going on, um, the, the company, who was very, very busy and their business was growing rapidly, um, they decided they were going to start a second shift. And they asked me if I would lead this second shift. And so I hired a bunch of people and started a second shift um, producing more and more Venetian blinds. And so I was gaining all of these skills. And I got to become quite competent at it. I knew how to operate every piece of machinery. Um, I knew inside and out how to make a blind and how to make it properly and fit the exact right measurements and all that kind of stuff. I got really good at making Venetian blinds, obviously a skill that applies now to what I'm doing here. <laughs> and, and at that point then, the, the company that I worked for, Calgary Venetian Blinds, since they were growing so fast and the demand was so big, they decided that they were going to open up a new branch. And so, two and a half hours to the north of us in the city of Edmonton, they bought an old welding shop and purchased it for the, for the purpose of put it, turning it into a Venetian blinds manufacturing plant. And they asked me if I would relocate, if I would move to Edmonton, and go and manufacture blinds for them up there. And again, opportunity to grow, to expand, to do something new. I was just driven to do that kind of stuff. And so uh, only four months into working for this company, I was asked to go and start this new location. And that was all right with me because Edmonton also had a hockey team. And so I was okay with moving up to Edmonton on my own and starting my work there. And so I moved up there and they provided an apartment for me and, and, and I began this venture. And so I landed in Edmonton and I arrived at the, uh, the old welding shop. And what I didn't realize at that point was that they had sent me up there to manufacture Venetian blinds, but I wasn't going to be able to do that in this empty welding shop. I was expected to turn the welding shop into a Venetian blinds manufacturing plant. And now suddenly, instead of needing the skills of making blinds, I needed to be an electrician, a plumber, painter, a mechanic, and all these skills that I did not have. I was supposed to turn that place into what I could use to make Venetian blinds, and I was totally out of my element. I couldn't do any of those things, and it did not go well for me to the point where I was let go because I couldn't do it. I couldn't turn that shop into a Venetian blind shop. And I was really discouraged. I was really devastated. But that's not what I had signed on for. I was not equipped for that. I was equipped to make Venetian blinds. I was not equipped to carry out the skills of putting together a shop where Venetian blinds are manufactured. And so it failed. I failed at it. All right, so why in the world a silly story and what could it possibly have to do with us praying for our church? Well, this is why this, this story came to mind for me. I think I know what it takes 
to be a good church member. I think I do my part pretty well. I wear the hats of pastor, elder, employee, home group member, brother in Christ, mentor, teacher, and a lot more. I wear a lot of hats. I'm constantly learning more about what it takes to do those things well and how to jump back and forth between those roles. But that's a personal role. That's an individual role for me. When it comes to being the church, there is a lot more involved. That involves our role, our characteristics, our vision, our investment, our commitment, our unity and partnership and so on. This is bigger than each of us simply being good church members. This is us. This is not something any one of us can accomplish on our own. Now, maybe we can make spiritual Venetian blinds well, but when it comes to creating a Venetian blinds manufacturing church, we need help that surpasses what any one of us can do and even surpasses what we can do collectively. This requires something supernatural. And if my Venetian blinds analogy made sense to me, but you're completely confused by it, just disregard the last five minutes and let's move on. Back in the book of Acts, as the church was being planted and established, something had to happen in order for that process to begin. The disciples were told to wait for it. Their calling of planting the seed of a church that would last for all of eternity depended on something, or more accurately, on someone. They were waiting on God's spirit. Jesus' ministry began when God's spirit came to him at his baptism. The church's life began when God's spirit arrived at what we call the day of Pentecost. That dependency has never diminished. A church built without the spirit isn't a church. It's no more than an earthly institution. This church, Chapel Hill Church, is no more than an earthly institution if it's not fully dependent on God's spirit for all it needs and beyond that for its very character and identity. That's what we're going to pray for today. We're going to pray for God's character to grow in us by his spirit. We're going to pray for God's power to give us life by his spirit. We cannot do this on our own. We may be able to be a gathering of people doing very well at demonstrating the characteristics of church people. But to truly become a church according to God's blueprint, making disciples and expanding the reach of God's kingdom, we need him. He makes the church. And I have no reason to stand up here and tell you this morning that we're doing poorly at this. We're not. We are all contributing in significant ways to the establishment of Chapel Hill as God's church. There's so many things that we're doing well and you'll see that as we work through a list of prayer requests with God, we have a lot to be thankful for. As I've looked back over the past year and then on to the past decade, I am very, very grateful for what God has done here. And I have a hard time believing that I've been here for the last decade and beyond. I've never been anywhere for this long. 
And what God has done here during that time is absolutely remarkable to me. I think all of you can see at least some of what he's done. You've been blessed by this church in a variety of ways, and God's done that. So this morning, this is part celebration and part determination. We can celebrate all that God has done, but we can also determine together that we want him to do more, to shape us more, to stretch us more, to guide us more, to grow us more. And so let's ask. God, this is the church that we desire to be. Please do this in us by your spirit and according to your will. So here are 20 things to ask for in 2020 for the year and the decade ahead. This, this list is on the insert in your bulletin, in your program. I'm gonna work through it and give some more clarity to each thing on the list and then we'll talk about how we pray for these things and And hopefully we don't lose sight of this in the days ahead. I'd hate to see that happen. I guarantee that there are things that could easily also be on the list but didn't make it. That's not a concern. They can certainly be added. And I didn't go off of someone else's list, so this is simply my own reflections on how I would like us to pray for our church, for Chapel Hill Church. So here we go. God, this is the church that we want to be. The first one is the most obvious one for this morning's message. We want to be a praying church. And we are. I'm part of some amazing prayer efforts in this church. I know of many people and many groups of people who are praying faithfully for Chapel Hill. You are being prayed for. So am I. So when we're asking God to make us a praying church, we're asking him to raise us up to his level. He commands us to pray without ceasing. This is at the very core of our ability to flourish as a church. Pray that our communication with him increases to biblical proportions. Pray that we entrust everything about this church to him and to the power of his spirit. Ask him to guide us to that place where we're lifting each other up to him constantly, where we're praying for the lost, the poor, the hurting, the persecuted, the weak, for each other's families and home groups, for all of it. Secondly, we want to be a worshiping church. Pray that God transforms us into a church that clearly sees who God is and responds accordingly. Recently, you heard me issue a challenge for the Christmas season that had to do with our response to God's holiness and our role as those who worship him Jesus said that if we don't do it, even the rocks will cry out in worship. At the end of time, every knee will bow in worship of God and who he is. Pray that we start that now and worship more freely and sincerely and humbly in the days ahead than we ever have. We want to be a gospel-centered church. You and I have received so much from God. At the top of that list is the gift of salvation. God reached out and through Jesus rescued us and led us into new life. Without that church, we're dead. As a church, we need to live in that reality. We need to live every moment in acknowledgement of the gift that we've received and that we don't make ourselves special. That gift makes us special. 
We are the church of good news. Pray that the good news defines us and is declared loudly through us. Next, we want to be a kingdom church. We've begun talking about what this kingdom is that we've been called to and set apart for. We have a vision to move this generation from culture to kingdom. It's God's kingdom that produces a harvest through us. It's God's kingdom that gives us the design that God has for us as a church. Pray that we live by the kingdom's design and in submission to the king. Pray that we as a church move from culture to kingdom in whatever ways we need to. Pray that God's kingdom comes to us and through us. We want to be a visionary church. What are we aiming for? Whose standards are we following? Whose design are we seeking for ourselves? What do we want to see? Where are we going? If we look down the road, who do we want to see us become? We cannot lose sight of this. Pray that God continues to reveal his best plan for us. He's given us something truly challenging to work towards in our current vision. Pray that we keep his vision for us in front of us always. We want to be a compassionate church. In a world that's lost and hurting, in a world that takes a significant toll on the people around us, including the people in the church, Will we pray that God grows our compassion for others? Pray that we never allow our own interests and desires to crowd out the needs of others. Pray that we'll see what Jesus saw when he looked on the crowds and had compassion on them. We want to be a strongly anchored church. Even churches in our culture are vulnerable to the current of the culture and are being tossed about, blown around by every wind of belief and, and trend. And that cannot be us, Chapel Hill. Pray that God keeps us firmly anchored in his truth, in his word, in his will, in his hands. Pray that God keeps us committed to the Bible. Pray that he holds us close, closely anchored to him. We want to be a wise and discerning church. There is no need in this world for a church that doesn't ask for what Solomon himself asked for. Having the opportunity to ask God for anything, Solomon chose to ask God for wisdom. Let's do the same for us as a church. There are so many issues and challenges and changes facing the church today. We simply must intentionally seek God's wisdom at each turn and ask him to give us his gift of discernment. How else could we ever hope to shine in this complex, often confusing world? We want to be a grace-filled church. Liam, stand up. We're going to practice. Ah, ah, ah. See why we need to pray for this? <laughs> you can sit down now. <laughs> Man, booed your pastor's son. <laughs> See? I knew this one needed to be on the list. We are shown in the Bible that Jesus came full of grace and truth. 
He introduced grace to the world in a way that it had never experienced. Ask God to equip us to do the same, to introduce this world to his grace. Pray that God grows in us the grace that we have for each other and for every person that we encounter. We want to be an intentional church. And what I mean by that is that we live as a church that doesn't just react to what's going on around us. We intentionally shine God's light. We plan to grow, to love, to impact. We plan to lead, not follow. We plan to flourish, not maintain. Pray that God develops this intentionality in us. We want to be a welcoming church. And we're good at this. Pray that we get better. The New Testament church did this so well. God sent a message through his church that the door to his family was open to Jew and Gentile, male and female, rich and poor, to everyone. Pray that this spirit of welcome grows in us constantly. We want to be a courageous church. I believe that the enemy has stepped up his game in our culture in recent generations and is laying down a challenge to the church here. Many have fallen already. Some have fled the fight. Some have fought on their own strength. Pray that God gives us the courage to stand firm, anchored to him in the midst of this cultural storm. We want to be a prepared church. How prepared are we to face the challenges of the world around us? Have we looked honestly and closely at what's going on? Have we looked ahead at what's coming? Are we prepared to face the challenges that we see coming at us? Are we prepared for Jesus' return? Pray that God equips us to be a prepared church. We want to be a relational church. Pray that God guides us to where relationships are more important than results. Pray that we align with God's desire that we become one. Jesus is praying for that right now. Pray with him that we'll experience the unity that he shares with his father. Pray for healthy, authentic relationships throughout this church family. We want to be a maturing church. Paul made it clear that we are to grow up in our reflection of Jesus Christ. We're to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. To grow up into all things Christ. We're to crave meat, not just milk. With each passing year, we should be able to see growth in maturity, which inevitably leads to calling others to follow Jesus with us and showing them the way. Pray that we mature. We want to be an authentic church. No fakes. Not a reflection of an imitation of God's church. A real God-designed, God-reflecting church. Every cultural imitation is just that. It's an imitation. Pray that we will be the church that God calls us to be. Imperfect, but surrendered to the perfect one. Pray that we will accurately reflect the nature of our bridegroom. We want to be a trustworthy church. We want to be the kind of church that, that God can confidently trust with his creation, his resources, his priesthood. We want to make the very best use of what he's given us and who he's given us. 
Pray that we will steward what he's given, given us to the best of our ability and in accordance with his will. We want to be a loving church. This should be an obvious one. But my mind went to the way that we love each other in this church primarily. Pray that we become experts at agape love. Pray that we practice daily what 1 Corinthians 13 has taught us. Pray that God draws the world to himself through the love that we have for each other as a church. We want to be a resilient church. The church as a whole is facing persecution at a rapidly increasing rate and that is not cause for us to be alarmed or to be afraid. It's a call for us to be resilient. It's a call for us to stand. Pray that we will stand under whatever weight is thrust upon us. Pray that God strengthens the knees of this church both for praying on and for standing firm. And the last line is left blank for a reason. What's your personal prayer for this church? We each have a place here. We each have some characteristic of a church that really means a lot to us personally. We come with our own personal experiences and needs. What's your prayer for this church? Will you pray for Chapel Hill Church? Is this list the kind of thing that you'll put on your calendar and pray through maybe one a day or something like that? Will you commit to setting aside time each week to pray through this list? Maybe there's one or two things on the list that you connect with really well, really personally. They're, you're passionate about those things. Will you focus on those and pray faithfully for those things? However you do it, church, just pray Pray without ceasing. Pray with anticipation. Pray knowing that God is listening and that he's the one who invited us to bring these things to him. Pray in the reality that this is his church. Let's call him into every aspect of who we are. We're his. We're the bride of his son, Jesus Christ. Pray knowing that our Father cares about us and that he will answer our prayers. This morning we have the privilege of sharing communion together. It's a very special thing for us to do as a church. The elements of communion, the bread and the cup, represent the very things that bring us together as a church, and as God's global church all over the world. We have this bond. We have this unity, this oneness, because of the fact that Jesus gave his body for us on the cross and that his blood was spilled for the forgiveness of our sins. Because of that, we stand clean we stand righteous before God. We can come before him with these requests, with these prayers on our hearts, on our minds, and present them to God as if we were physically standing before his throne ourselves. And not only that, but the very one who made this possible stands there with us on our behalf as an advocate for us and what we're requesting. 
Do not take that opportunity, that reality lightly. Bring these things before God. Bring us as a church before God. And so as you come this morning to share in communion together as a church, come with that on your mind. Come with it on your heart. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We are his church. We are the body of Christ. We come as one, as one, to thank Jesus for what he did for us, to thank him for taking our place and sacrificing himself for us, for facing the wrath of God in our place. We come as one and praise him for that. We come as one and we thank him for the blood that was shed, the blood of the perfect lamb, the sacrificial lamb that took away our sin, the sin of this world. These are the things that make us one church. And this morning all over the world, today all over the world, there are churches that are coming together and and God is hearing our, our prayers, our worship. He's hearing his word spoken in our midst. He's seeing into our hearts and our minds and he sees one global church, the bride of Jesus Christ. And what he sees, he loves deeply. So much so that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to die in our place, to die to restore and redeem us. This is about you personally. This is about you and me individually. We come and we talk to God and we we praise God and we thank God for what he's done for each one of us. Today, add to that what he has done for his global church. And add to that a prayer for this church, for 2020, for the decade ahead, for the future of God's church here for us. I'm gonna invite the elders to come and prepare to serve here and the worship team to come as well as they lead us into a time of worship and celebration as we close out our time together this morning. As they come and prepare, will you pray with me? Let's pray together. And as we come before God in prayer, I want you to do this. I want you to take just just one thing to start with, just one thing off that list. Or maybe it's that one personal thing that you added to the list that that wasn't on there, but it is your prayer. I want you to take that one thing from the list or whatever came to your mind. I want you to take that one thing before God right now and I want you to ask him for that. Take just a moment and ask God to do that in us as a church in the year ahead. Will you do that? Father, we come before you this morning as your church, as the bride of Jesus Christ. We come before you this morning asking, asking that you will shape us into the church that you 
created us to be. I ask, Father, that you would do in us exactly what you want to see done in the year ahead. We look back with tremendous thanksgiving for all that you have done. We see you at work. You know, Father, how many times, how many times I have heard people come here and say that they knew you were here. They sensed your spirit in this place. So, Father, we know you're here. We know that you are in our midst. We know that you are working. We know that your spirit has been providing for us and protecting us. Your spirit has been leading and guiding and shaping and transforming us. And we praise you for all of that. And we ask, Lord, that you would take what you've done and multiply it now and, and grow us in all these areas. I pray that you would make us a praying church that comes before you on our knees every day. Asking for your will to be done here and your kingdom come. God, you know I long to see your kingdom come in this church. For us to grow, for us to mature, to become more and more like the bride that Jesus chose. We've talked this morning about all these things that, that we're asking for and I lift them up to you, God, and I ask that you would accomplish these things in us and that you would cause us to be a church that prays for these things on a regular basis that is constantly coming before you and saying, oh, and God, will you do this? Will you do this? Will you do this and this and this? You've invited us to ask. You've made promises to us about what happens when two or more of us ask for something in the name of Jesus Christ. And may the year ahead and the decade ahead be filled with answers to those prayers. Not just in our own lives, there for sure, but in the life of this church, Chapel Hill Church. Father, speak to us, guide us, shape us, chisel away at us. Do in us what you desire to do. Father, we place ourselves before you at your feet. We come to the table this morning in unity. We come as one. We come acknowledging the fact that not only did Jesus die for each of us as individuals, but he died for his church. And we praise you for that this morning. Speak to us, speak with us as we come. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for his body, for all that he endured that he faced your wrath poured out on him instead of us. That he shed his blood, the blood of the lamb, the blood that washes away our sin, 
restores us to you, makes it possible for us to stand before you as a church, holy and acceptable in your sight, righteous, set apart to be used by you for your will, for your purpose. We come with that on our minds and our hearts this morning. Thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. Pray that your will would be done in this church and that your kingdom would come. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.